Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends. It's MJ from the Coaches Panel. Round 8 of Fantasy Footy is just hours away, and over the past few days... Plenty of big changes have hit all formats of the game. We're going to chat through all the big new issues with trades, how the formats work, everything that's happened over the past seven days. And joining me to do so, I've got Kane back on. Hello, buddy. Hello, MJ. Good to be back. Good to have more news as ever. Every time we do these Thursday podcasts, it seems like we have a whole new stack of information to go through. Yes, no, it's some of the advantages of getting that last minute quick chat in before the first part of lockout hits a Thursday evening. Um, but, you know, it's been Kane and I for the past couple of weeks, which has been great and fun. But if you're a player of Dream Team, you might have been looking through where your overall rank is. And there's a, a team name that might be vaguely familiar to coaches, panel listeners. We've only got him for a, a short time. But the number one player in Dream Team right now joins us uh, from the coaches panel. Uh, it's Rids. Hello, buddy. G'day, mate. How you going? I'm good. How's Sorry, it feeling I, at the top I, of the tree? MJ, I uh, missed that introduction. Who what, Who are you introducing there? I am introducing the current leader of Dream oh. Team for 2020. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm mate, hey, just, chasing. Um, I, I, it's a, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's not bad. You know... You know how many horses have gone past the winning post first on the first lap of the Melbourne Cup and never won it? Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm not one of those guys. Let's hope that's not the case. You've had a really good start to the year. And Dream Team, like all other fantasy footy formats, they've had some pretty substantial changes to what it actually means. Maybe let's talk Dream Team first. While we've got... Uh, the, the leaderboard out there at the moment. In terms of Dream Team, there's been some changes and every format has a different change and a different strategy that goes with it. So let's go format by format. In terms of Dream Team, here's what's just come in for you. Between the rounds of 9 to 12, you're going to be able to make up to three trades per week. You've also been uh, given in your format now an additional four trades. So that's going to bring your season total up to 28. And during the multi-buy rounds of round 10 and also round 11, it's a best 18 scoring format. And then some potential additional more trades and best 18 rounds once we know what the future fixture does look like. But Rids, from a Dream Team perspective, what's your first line take of what that means for fantasy coaches? I think at least now we've got some sort of indication on where to plan for the next four weeks. But having said that, the thing that I found the most interesting was it looked like um, in the messaging they said that it's likely we're going to get more trades later. It's going to be best 18 again when extra buy rounds and stuff are found out. Yeah. Well, the, the only thing that the AFL have kind of basically indicated is that unless you're from the Essendon Football Club or the Melbourne Football Club, you're going to be having a multi-buy round or a week off at some point between now and the end of the season. And we'll talk about those Essendon Melbourne players a little bit later on. But you're right, both Supercoach and Dream Team have hinted that more trades may come as we see how the AFL try to navigate their way through the fixture. So as everyone would know, I haven't been... I haven't been as vocal over the last period of time, mainly because of um, personal and work commitments. But the reality of the situation is I don't think we had enough trades to start with in DT. Yeah. So, so to get to a completed side, 
it was always going to be a challenge with a starting point of 24 trades mm. in a shorter season. So um, with the ex- extra four trades right now, it means people are likely to go burning trades even more now, yeah. thinking that there might be trades coming later on. So I just hope they keep a consistent approach now from what they've done you know, for the first seven or eight weeks and actually make the same calls so people have got an even playing field to move forward and plan, that's all. Yeah, and that's fair enough. And Kane, you know, we'll talk about Supercoach in a moment, but certainly from Dream Team, where it has been coaches looking at players like a, a Tom Duda as an example, where you go, he was probably initial just a cash generation or a stepping stone candidate. Then before these trades hit, we were thinking he might have been a, a season-long on-field option. But now we also, as Rids has pointed out, find ourselves in that dilemma of we could go really hard and aggressive and still have to look at a player like a due day in our completed sides, or we might be a little bit more conservative through that. What what are some of the approaches you'd be advocating for in Dream Team? Well, I think one thing that you can never go too far away from is value. Yeah. If there's if there's inherent value, whether it's you know a Bailey Smith this week who seems to have bottomed out. Anytime you're going value, it's always going to give you the best chance to build a completed team. And the other fact that we've got to look at is best 18. If we go to best 18, like we've seen, you know, for those couple buy rounds that we've got when there's teams on a buy, you know, what's that going to look like going forward? Because obviously the more we go best 18, the more important it is to have those guys that have a massive ceiling because in all likelihood, you might be able to drop them out of your best 18 if they have a poor score. So it becomes that balance of is it better to have, you know, 22 guys that are, you know, almost premiums or do we really want to go all out and get those guys that we think are top liners? So that's where having four weeks is great, but how are we going to project forward? Because as we saw, we had one buy round with four teams and one buy round with two. We've got another 10 teams still to be announced. You know, do they drip feed that two teams on a buy for five weeks? Do they two two blocks of four? Because, you know, that could have a huge impact on the players you even have available in your side. So, again, like you said, MJ, Essendon and Melbourne, we know they at least don't have a buy. I'm not going to get into who will be rested and who won't, but yep. at least for that point of view, you know they have a chance of featuring your side for the rest of the year. And There's also one extra thing as well, MJ, yeah. is if every team's going to play themselves once... Yep. And there's a buy round now. Well, that means it's going to be round 18. Correct. So there's going to be an extra round added on to the end of the season. So every chance we're going to have two or three rounds at the end of the season where you're going to have 22 on the field counting. So you might plan for best 18 and then have to revert back to best 22 on the field, Mm. you know, with only two or three rounds to go. And that could very well determine whether league finals and everything else. So it's a real, real, real unknown at the moment. Yeah, and it impacts so drastically the players you choose to target now from an upgrade. We know eight teams in terms of where their week-off standards are. We know for Essendon and Melbourne, there won't be one. Um, We know that Carlton... Um, will be ha- when they'll be having theirs along with West Coast, Fremantle, and Hawthorne in round ten. We so we know where they're going to be off, and then the following week the, the Sydney teams of GWS and the Swans. But then as we start to look at upgrades, of do you look to those um, Western Bulldogs players? Is there that defensive premium we want to bring in, knowing full well that their week off could be in a crucial time when it comes to either your league finals or that final ditch rankings push. 
Well, and I think that you've got to look at your team for starters. You've yeah. got to do a stock take on your specific team and how are you impacted in that first round, starting at round 10. If I pick up my team as an example, I can't take on any more players from that buy round. My back line already has Sicily, Luke Ryan, Sam Doherty. Yeah, you're full. So for me, in my trades this week, I can't even look at a wheel day yeah. because I'm not going to want to move him on. He's just ruled out. Midfields might have, you know, Cripps, Gas. Tom Mitchell, that's not, you know, it's not hard, out of question. Yeah. Ford line, you know, Michael Walters has been sensational. Yeah. Johnny Segler might be still floating around. Yeah. Chad Wingard. You've got to do a stock take of that because the fact is, outside of Melbourne and Essendon, every other team is going to have a buy. Yeah. So if you can manage it and you look at your team and you think, I've got no one in that buy round, you might be best off actually taking a player from that round because you know okay, that's the buy then, I can plan for it. Whereas if we push it down the road and let's say Bulldogs are paired with Geelong, they're paired with Brisbane and they're paired with Gold Coast, all of a sudden, half your midfield could be out with the amount of players that are great in that buy. So maybe there's some coaches that look at their team and go, I am better off bringing in a player like that because I'll have their buy now. Mm. Another advantage MJ of having the buy when they have it around 10 and 11 is it's actually in the middle of that condensed fixture. So if we... If the fixture, you know, opens up and goes to one game a week, well, the resting for those four teams should be less likely because they've had a buy in the middle to break it up. So if your team fits it, you might actually be it might actually be advantageous to you to take a player like that on because it's not going to burn you down the road. They've had their buy. You can see who they've got their buy with currently. And in the long run, it might set you up for success. Yeah, I'm no, just, yeah, go. Hey, MJ, I'm going to have to disappear soon, but That's I just fine. want to—I just want to throw out an interesting dilemma that we might all have. Okay, mm. we're always talking about buy low, sell high. Yeah, radio. Now I'm going to throw Lockie Neal at people. I was okay? Just about to ask him. Now the Lockie Neal factors intriguing me. The reality is, I think the Lions have four games in about 14, 15 days. Yeah, roughly. really close. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to counter that. He potentially could be the best captain option for rounds 10 and 11 because they play Richmond and Bulldogs who are notoriously not taggers. So he may very well be the best captain option. So how do people want to deal with that if you don't have him is really, really intriguing. Like, do you spend the money, pay top dollar for a guy, okay, in that, but he's still got to buy to come later on. Yeah. Like... So this is where this is really, really interesting how it all falls out. And a lot of this is going to be about luck yes. when the draw comes out. Who do you have? Who don't you have? As Kane was just saying, grouped together every time a new buy is known. So uh, luck, luck always plays a factor. We know that. But the reality is it's going to play a massive factor today, this year because we don't know how many, how many trades we're going to have for the season. Yep. We don't know where who plays who late. Yep. Did you really want to play a De, um, a De Boer in round 18 for a final? Yeah. Like, you know, it's a it's very, very intriguing how this works. Yeah. The, the, the great challenge for coaches is, while there is so many unknowns, we talked about on last week's episode with Kane, it's even though there's things you don't, filter it through the, the known quantities you have and let those, as best they can, um, give you the information you need to make decisions. We know where six teams are having their weeks off. We know 
Melbourne and Essendon players will not have a week off. And for those in Dream Team and Supercoach that had premiums back in round three that felt a little bit of that sting because they didn't get that cash generation or the points on field, there's an element of a reward for you if you've been able to hold those players like the Petrarchas, the Ridleys, the Gorns, the Clayton Olivers, maybe a, a Dylan Shield of that nature as well, even a Viney. Um, where you're now getting some small compensation because now you've got guys that, outside of injuries or club restings, Riz, I suppose these guys now have some extra value for you. Yeah, they do. And on top of that, though, it's the guys that may not have started the season well mm. or may have had a, you know, not a great start. Like, I'm thinking about guys like Christian Salem. Yeah. Now, maybe a Devin Smith, if you don't own Devin Smith already in the comps. Like, these are the guys that you might actually start looking at a little bit more because they get an extra game than anyone else over between now and the end of the year. Yeah. And they're likely to, you know, improve their scoring up to that premium range of a defender forward now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good call, isn't it? I know, Rids, we've got to let you go in, in a minute. Before we move on to Supercoach and AFL Fantasy, What what's the biggest concern you have? Not biggest concern, but the biggest um, bit of advice you give for coaches as they look at their final, you know, we know a little bit more about Dream Team now. What's the biggest bit of encouragement advice you could give coaches in that format of the game? Work out. I, this is a hard year to stay motivated for, okay? Yeah. I know that's easy for me to say because I'm going okay in the rankings. But as you guys know, it is hard to watch at the moment. It's hard to see your teams only scoring 15, 1,600. Yeah. It's always exciting in fantasy footy to see those big hundreds and to have the captain option on it. I know Supercoach is pretty much the out there with that, with all of the... Um, the waiting. Rank. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but... Just try and work out what you want to achieve between now and the end of the year. It might end up being, look, you started the year focused on the best ranking you can, and you've sort of might not have had the luck that you wanted in the first month or two, and that means you need to change it to become like a league focus. You might want to beat your best mate in a league. In that case, don't be scared to throw around every now and then yeah. if you're looking okay as the league. Like, if you've won enough games in the league and stuff, but try and find something that will motivate you to keep an interest between now and the end of the year. Yeah, nice. Good advice, mate. We, we know we've got to let you go. Thank you for sneaking on, my friend, and uh, hopefully you have a ripping score again this week and keep staying at the top of the tree. Great idea, MJ, to get me on before I start sliding down those rankings. That's it, mate. That's it. <laughs> have a good one, guys. Thanks, mate. We'll chat soon. And there goes uh, the potential winner of Dream Team. No, who knows, Cade? Um, we'll keep talking, man, about... Um, let's talk AFL Fantasy before we move on to Supercoach. In AFL Fantasy, the tr um, there are still some unknowns about what's going to happen in that format, isn't there? We don't yet know, will they go to a best 18? Um, it's been implied that they're going to look at some form of more rolling lockout during at least the multi-buy rounds of 10 and 11. But what we do know AFL Fantasy have done, and it's already landed from this week, is our trades per week have been increased up to three every single week. Use them or lose them. Um it opens up some interesting things for us, Kane, and I'm, I'm keen on your take specifically on this. You look at guys like Grundy, Neil, Gorn, and Trelaw. They are either well over or close enough to 900,000. That is a crazy ton load amount of cash and really hard to outlay that amount of money if you don't have them. 
But do these additional trades make, let's use Gorn as the example, does that make him much more of a priority to go and trade in, knowing A, he's going to play every week if he's fit and not being managed, but two, we've got that extra trade to be able to maximise. Yeah, I think the, the double whammy there, MJ, is the extra game. Yeah. Like if we even just talk about you know, what from this point onwards, just by having an extra game, it pretty much gives you an extra 10 points on your average if they're available throughout that whole period. Yeah. Just because they're playing the next game. And there's only 11 games to go for Melbourne and Essendon players and 10 to go for the rest of the competition. So, you know, clearly that's factoring in that, you know, if they don't, if you don't have them playing, they don't score at all, which yeah. obviously I'd hope that most people would have some cover, which would, you know, eat into that slightly. But naturally, just by having an extra game, it's anywhere between a five to 10 point boost for their average across yeah. the whole year. That's how valuable that extra game is. Um, the tricky thing in AFL fantasy is obviously price movements yeah. and getting the balance of, what else can you do? We always talk about what are the other trades you're doing? You know, if getting Max Gorn costs you bringing in a Bailey Smith, bringing in another underpriced premium, you know, what's the difference that you think you're going to make up? Let's just say, MJ, that if you bring in Gorn, you're going to have to field Connor Butterick still and you're going to have to field Curtis Taylor. Yeah. And maybe as a combination, you know, that gets you, let's just pluck out a number and say it, yeah, 200 points. Yeah, 200. That's 200 points. Conversely, if you think, okay, if I skip on Gorn, I can field a Taylor anyway, and then a Bailey Smith, and let's just go with, you know, maybe a Lockie Whitfield slips sure. past you as well. So now we're talking, is Bailey Smith and Lockie Whitfield, who I think are right around the mark to being, you know, premium players in that forward line? Yeah. They might not both be top six, but they wouldn't be far off. Yeah. You know, can they combine beat that score yeah you know and i think honestly i think they can whether you know the pricing and all that sort of stuff i'm not exactly sure off the top of my head how those you know total value works out but there are plenty of those type of moves i know Jaden short was one that a lot of coaches last week seeing that basher hooley was out of the side for an extended period of time yeah they saw great value in him and he scored well and obviously max is scoring incredibly well as well and, and presents that captaincy option which is always vital and I feel like now MJ when we're going to go into a rolling lockout mm. in AFL fantasy just due to the schedule yeah. clearly that's a massive tick all gone yeah. because you're going to have that ability whether to use him as a VC loophole or to use him as just a captaincy if your vice captain fails that is a big tick in his favour I just know it is so difficult to get to those guys and to be honest I don't think Max Gorn can go up another level. Like, I feel like what you're paying for now is what he can do. I yeah. don't think he's going to go up another gear again and keep soaring in price. So that's where I feel like if you don't have him, and the other fact that we always talk about MJ is you're banking in that loss. If you haven't had Gorn, yeah. all those Gorn owners before you, you're just locking in that loss that they've just been enjoying a massive stretch. So unless you're in that top handful, and you want to be defensive and, and just get gone out of the equation. But I feel like if you're chasing and you're trying to differentiate yourself and move up the ranks, yeah, I think you've almost got to look at value. Just keep looking at value. Who's underpriced? You know, what changes have been made? And, and again, you've got some buy-around information now as well. 
So use that. Have a, like I said, have a look at your side. Bit of a stock take. Yeah. Where am I okay? Where am I bad? Where where could be a problem? And I know a lot of that's you know projection going forward. We haven't seen these buys, but MJ, if I'm looking at the buys that have been announced, you've got Sydney and GWS paired together. Yep. West Coast and Frio paired together. Yep. If I'm going out on the limb, Adelaide and Port together. I'm going to be confident they're paired together. Gold Coast. I'm going to be confident that Gold Coast and Brisbane are going to be paired together. I agree. Now, the issue then is, are they paired with another two teams? For instance, Carlton and Hawthorne are paired with West Coast and Fremantle. Yeah. But if I'm working on that, and again, it is an assumption, and clearly it could not be the case. But if I'm looking at that logic so far, and I've seen the two sides from interstate being paired together. Yep. I'm going to look at my Brisbane and Gold Coast players. Together. How am I tracking? Yeah. I'm going to look at my Adelaide and Port Adelaide players. How am I tracking? Mm. And just and just you know assume those little things that I think are more likely to happen than not, and just see oh you know you know what I actually can bring in a player from you know the buy round in round ten because I don't yeah. have anyone. At least I can clear it and I know I can handle that lot. You know I'm not going to be fielding. 16 players. Yeah, that's right. I, I can clear out a Cumming or a Rivers um, exactly. and go and get a Will Day uh, who, let's be honest, barring injury or, or being managed, he's established himself inside that Hawthorne back six now. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I think that's the important thing where you're probably going to get more bang for your buck by doing that. Yeah. Finding that pairing and there is plenty of value. And as I said, I don't think Gorn is value. I think Gorn no, is a terrific not. option. Yeah, no. That's right. He's an absolutely terrific option, but I think for the structure of most teams that don't have him, mm. as I said, you're better off hoping, and it's not great for Gorn, but if something goes wrong, again, unfortunately, last year when he played Brisbane, he rolled the ankle and was stationed forward for the rest of the game and scored incredibly low. Yeah. Like, that's what's going to give you, and obviously it's a risk that he keeps going the of way course. he's going. But the thing is, I don't think he becomes more unattainable if you wait. Like, well, he is right. already very unattainable. Well, in AFL Fantasy right now, which is where we're purely having this conversation around Gorn at the moment, 943,000, a break-even of 84. Um, the reason he's being often talked about is people that have owned a Mark Pitternet, who maybe was the transition from a Naismith or you moved away from, at that time, an underperforming Tim English style. It's nearly 500,000 on the upgrade. Conversely... Brody Grundy's probably in a lot of people's sides in terms of ownership percentage. Grundy's up at 64%. Gorn's right down towards 21%. But it is almost 120,000 difference between Gorn and Goldstein. Another 180,000 difference to O'Brien. And around about 200,000 difference to a Tim English. In terms of current form, yep, Gorn's killing it. Averaging 117. English averaging 98 in the last three. O'Brien averaging 94. So these things all inform us. And Goldie had a quieter week last week. Soldo's doing a decent job slowing down other, you know, scoring premiums. He's averaging 91 after a bad one. But those things we know. But then we also come and look at what the AFL fixture is and the impacts that that's going to have for Gorning the next five. One of the rucks that he's coming up against is a Brody Grundy. So, so we know that's going to be a, you know, a challenging week. One of the things we know this week is Riley O'Brien is coming up against potentially a Draper-Phillips combination. If you want the rest of what the fixture looks like for Gorn, it's 
Collingwood, North Melbourne, Adelaide, Port, and Brisbane. And with the exception of Brisbane, all of those rucks at least compete maybe in a level sphere of one of Gorn's strengths. O'Brien probably matches Gorn around the ground. Goldie probably matches him at the hitouts to advantage. Um, Collingwood's Grundy, you know, comparable right across the board. And Port Adelaide, well, they've been shown that historically they're more than happy to double team a Max Gorn. Yeah, I think the interesting part as well, MJ, and this is where it gets really hard for pit net owners, is you've obviously copped an awful score. So as much as we try not to be, emotionally, you want him out of the side as quickly as possible. Yeah. Like, especially when you saw that Scott Lye sets out. Yeah. And you thought, oh, wow, how good is this? He's got Peter Laddams, who's coming in for his first game of the year. And, you know, a very good, solid player. He played great on the weekend. Yeah. But in terms of what you thought you were going to face, you'd be licking your lips. Yeah. Now the really tricky part is he's got Goldstein this week and then, you know, who knows, maybe Segler's back, maybe not, but he does have around 10 by. Mm. So that's where it gets really tricky and that's where I really feel for owners is if you want to wait it out and think, you know, before this, he was going at 64 points. Mm. You know, that's 80 in the old. That's far from disastrous. Yes. The problem is with that 30 in his score, you wait two weeks for the price to come back. You get hit with the buy. Yeah, that's right. So that's why I can see people wanting to jump off. The hard thing is, you know, where do you go for that big spend? And, you know, if you want to go somewhere in between, you are going to have to cop a buy anyway. Yes. You're going to be trading. That's the great advantage of Max Gorn now is that he's buy free. The only option if you are, want to go really down swinging is if Draper gets named for Essendon. And you want to take Pitnet all the way down. Yeah. And and obviously redistribute that cash elsewhere with other premiums. I, I don't, I'm not against that because you're probably going to need to do a downgrade anyway. And with the rookies that I'm seeing come through, which is barely anything, mm. you might be able to have a way where you can restructure that and bring him on. But at the, at this point of recording, we don't know if he is going to be playing. Yeah. Uh, but that's where I do feel for coaches. And I do understand them just wanting to go, you know what, I'm just going to do whatever it takes, even if it's a premium down, yeah, just to get the cash to have no headache. You know, you've got, you've got no buyer for gone. You've got the captain. the option in a rolling uh, situation. Potentially, yeah. And to be honest as well, if you've watched Max Gorn, He's killing fitness it. is clearly not a problem. Like in terms of playing multiple games, I've never seen him, him fitter. The way he's moving around the ground. And that's why scoring's, gone to a whole nother level. He's Absolutely. getting from contest to contest and also he's clunking everything. Yeah. So while I don't think it's a great matchup this week, clearly historically Brisbane's very tricky. Also the way Brisbane play, yeah. it's not just Steph and Oscar. It's the way they actually play the game. Yeah. They they don't allow um, you know, they're not a massive sort of stoppage type of team. So no. there's actually not usually massive chances for Ruckman and also when you're playing up north, it's not as easy to clunk those marks yes. in the greasy conditions. So all those factors have really um, worked against it. But yeah, the other the question is, MJ, who do you have confidence in? You know, maybe you want to play the break-even game. Team English doesn't have a buy round announced yet. You've obviously got a massive score up his sleeve. You know, maybe your plan is to go, you know, use him as a bridge, as a stepping stone, as we call it, to get somewhere in the vicinity. Mm. But, but I think what it would come back to me is what's the combination? You know, yeah. how confident am I in my rookies? You know, if I've got to pick it the yeah. way he's going with that opportunity, 
I probably would want to try to get up to a Max Corn, yeah. you know, because I, I think as a pairing, you know, Pickett's just as likely to go anywhere between, it was 80 on the weekend, you know, even if he drops back down to the 50s, two rookies that go 50 and a Max Corn, you know, 110 with a captain on it, yeah, probably does beat those, um, you know, two, you know, underpriced premiums. But That's right. It's, it's bloody tricky, and I don't, you know, I don't blame coaches that go either way. I just feel like you can't say there is value in no, Max Gorn. No, no, like no. It's just, it's, it's really tricky. If I'm in a position where I'm behind, I think I'm rather going to try to go elsewhere yeah. and just hope I get a bit of luck. Yep. Um, and, and the break-even game in AFL Fantasy, at least you can say you did it and you got some cash generation, and if it fails... You know, you can move to a Max Gorn. Maybe when Tim English has his buy, it's yeah. in round 13, 14. That's right. Um, I think it's just, it's so hard, MJ, as you know, to get that cash. Well, and that's it. You, it can you justify that additional 200,000 from a Tim English or the extra 150 odd thousand from a Goldstein or um, O'Brien? Can you justify that that is the best investment you can make onto well, a Gorn? Well, thing as well, like, you know, for fantasy, typically, a rule of thumb that you know holds mm. true for the way the prices move is for every seventy thousand you spend, yeah, it should be ten points. Yeah. So if you say there's two hundred thousand, let's just say it's two ten to yep. keep it simple. Does Tim English get within thirty points of Max Gorn every week? On current form, yes, more than well, he's within a, that's a, ten to fifteen. So that's the sort of thing you've got to obviously factor in clearly as well at time of recording. It hasn't really been. Cal Porter has been named to play tonight for the Dogs, which is great news for Cal. But in terms of rookies coming through, you know, how much confidence do you have? You know, do you have to take a rookie on yeah. this week? You know, do you have to just... The hard thing I'm seeing with a lot of these Max Gorn trades, MJ, is people need to go down, like, down to 170 players. Yeah. And the risk with that is, and this is why I do caveat at that, is if you're bringing in... Let's say you are bringing in Cal Porter. Yeah. And he's a one-week problem, or he's a one-week player. Now, all of a sudden, we're going into a buy round. Cal Correct. Porter's Bulldogs aren't on the buy. And Cal's he's nothing. not playing. And he's not worth so, anything, too. Yeah. And that's the and that's the issue. is And that's where going the value, you have a player that typically has job security, at least. Yeah. So instead of worrying about, okay, I've got Gorn and two rookies that may or may not play. Yeah. Now you've gone, well, at least I've got three players that, you know, are in the best 10 in their side. Um, I've got them under price. So, um, you know, they've got some upside in terms of, not that you're worried too much about generating catch. Sure. But their scoring will go up based on what you paid. So I think you've just got to be really confident in the rookie you're bringing in. I just, I'd be cautioning people going, I need to go two rookies down to 170K players. I'm going to guess the best ones I think that will get a game. Yeah. And now I've got gone. I just feel like going forward, We've already seen one buy round with four teams out. Correct. Again, the flip side in AFL Fantasy is at time of recording, we don't know if they're going to take averages. Yes. If they're going to take averages, well... Different story. Are they doing best 18? Different story. Like, everything changes, and that's the unknown, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, MJ, where, you know, you might get a... Let's just use Egmalee Smith, who's got a great score in his average. Mm. If there's a player like that who pops game one even if they're 350, 400K, maybe a Sam Mays sort of type. Yeah. And he's got his buy. Well, of course you're going to bring him in because you know you're going to take in a bank mid-60 score. score. And that's the thing where it's incredible, isn't it? In the span of a couple of weeks, all of, all of the formats 
have gone different directions and, and all these strategies have become, you know, they're already different for these games. Yeah. Now they're super, super different um, based on the way they've handled it. And obviously they do have to handle it all differently. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The, once we've got more knowns, um, it informs your decisions. But, you know, for me, like I'm currently a non-Max Gorn owner, but what I'm seeing a lot of people do that are out of the Max Gorn equation is going, taking the Stasevich, the Buderiks type, going all the way down and then turning your Pitonet type of player up. Uh, it just gets me very, very nervous that you're going to set your side up in future weeks um, with minimal cash generation. Like you might have the McInerney's, the Rivers, the Cummings, the Cavaras, the Sturts all on your bench and all you're doing potentially is just pushing a problem down the river to deal with. And we talked about that a few weeks about dealing with the knowns now, not getting rid of those problems. And we'll talk about Fife and Segler in a moment from a super coach perspective. However, as you've said, if we get awarded average scores and a best 22 maintains in AFL fantasy, then all of a sudden it's not as much of a problem because a Sturt or a Cummings kind of score and a Rivers and a McInerney, you can throw that on the field knowing that they're banked points, even if they're not going to get a game. Yeah, that's the other thing. You know, how do they defining as well, MJ? We saw in the past it had to be named in the side. Yeah. So do they, do they have to be named in the previous week's side? Like, Correct. imagine how brutal it would be if Nat Fife obviously doesn't get up until that. You know, maybe his goal is to get back in round eleven after yeah. his bye, and they say, "Oh, but he wasn't named in the round 19. Yeah. So we don't. You don't get his score. Like that's where I feel like it becomes such a headache because. You know, do you deserve to get someone's score if they're out for the season? Yeah. Like, I, I really feel for them trying to work out all these machinations because imagine if someone's got a Jeremy Howe. Yeah. And they say, oh, his, his average is, you know, let's just, I can't recall something, let's say it's 75. Well, let's pick a Luke Dunstan. He's got an average of 100 sitting there. Do you go and trade and him yeah, in for the week and grab a sneaky hundo? <laughs> like, yeah, so I really feel for them how they define. You yeah, know, it's a tough one. If they come out and say, it's these players because they played last week. That's probably the fairest way. Yes. But as I said, a coach might be saying, yeah, but I've got Matt Fife and he's meant to be back this week if there was a game. Yeah. So I really, again, like anything, MJ, you just got to be across the information. What's the rules? And again, we're all playing by the same rules. So, you know, again, I would not want to be in that position trying to decide this player gets it, that player doesn't. Um, and obviously for AF, we're only bringing it up because they did award averages yes. earlier in the season. We know Supercoach and Dream Team um, just went to up. the best 18, yeah. Went to the best 18 and, and coaches with Melbourne and Essendon players, it was tough luck and, you know, maybe this balances out now that, you know, they don't have a buy. Yeah. So in the long run, maybe you've, it is okay. It might have worked out better, but as I said, they've made decisions in the past. I can tell already by Supercoach and Dream Team, you know, they've sort of stuck fat with that route. Mm. Um, awarding trades is always great just to you know pe- keep people engaged and yeah. help us handle you know we don't know how how many players are going to get rested so I think never more than ever has news been super important yeah well let's certainly hope for AFL fantasy coaches that um, what would be ideal for us all and again at time of recording it might have even dropped by the time this episode goes live that they've announced how they're going to handle those other elements of the game but um that kind of information really does crucially inform the kind of trades you make this week. Um, does that mean you go and get the Gorn or does it not? Does it mean you play the value game and get an English and turn your Buderick up to a, a Bailey Smith before lockout hits this week? 
Those are the big questions that coaches are going to really have to grapple quickly with um, once that bit of information does come out. From a super coach perspective, though, like in Dream Team, they've re- resulted that they're going to go to a best A team during the multi-buy rounds that we know about. Um, and they've also awarded four additional trades into your team right now. So that means you're, you're jumping up strongly from 30 to 34 trades. And between round 9 to 12, like in Dream Team, you're going to be able to use a maximum of three trades per week. In that format, Kane, it was close enough already to AFL fantasy style um, of trading, which is two trades a week um, and you're away. Now with four trades, that maintains, does coaches that have been aggressive get the reward here where they've already been doing the double trade a week and it's going to maintain? Or have those that have maybe been a little bit more conservative and held off on one or two where they don't need to, does the ability now to get really super aggressive during that known four-week window, do they get that little bit of an advantage? Oh, MJ, it's really it's a really tricky one. Again, I think it's a great decision to go have the option of three a week. And yeah. I feel like what's important is while there's best 18, as we mentioned, in round 10 and 11, yeah. it's still a condensed fixture over round 9 and 12 as well. Correct. So I think the great thing that allows is if there is you know, restings on a large scale, which we just don't know. Yep. At least you do have an option to cover a donut at all costs, you know, if you really want to. If you really want to structure your team. Um, Who does it advantage? To be honest, I think it's still more about structure. Like there's still potentially 11 rounds to go. The hard thing is, and this is what we we were mulling over so much last week. And in the end, I think we sort of leaned towards you have to double down because we didn't see any cows last week that were making their debut mm. that we had a lot of confidence in. So we, you know, Simpson and Rankin was a really popular move in super coach last week. Yeah. Day was the and, other. Yeah. And, the, and the coaches that pulled the trigger and thought, you know what, I'm going to get aggressive. I'm going to pass on Simpson and I'm going to take Bailey Smith. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, you know, and this is, you know, goes, can go one of two ways. And unfortunately for those coaches, Simpson outscored Bailey Smith. Yeah. Simpson skyrocketed in price. Yeah. Bailey Smith dropped. Yep. And now you're looking at it going, well, I want to pay, you know, nearly 200K for Simpson. Yeah. I turned him down at 123. Yeah. Why am I saying but yes I've now? Got, but, but I've already got Smith. Yeah. And, it, and as we keep saying, at the time recording, there's no real cows outside of Cal Porter that are coming through. No. So this is where MJ, and this is what's been mulling over in my head, is that there are some options, albeit, at an elevated price tag that could fill this cash cow role. Because if we don't have cows coming in to drop to, we're either having to trade in players that aren't playing, yep. which makes it really challenging to keep fielding, you know, at least 18 players. And we know we still have to field 22 in round nine and 12. Mm. So that's where Egmalee Smith, Sam Mays, Will Day, yeah. McPherson, yep. even Simpson if you missed him, and even Rankin if you missed yeah. him as well. Yeah, it's still not All too of far. a sudden you start thinking, I know it's more than I paid, but I don't see anyone really coming through. And I know a lot of coaches are sort of banking on with heavy rotation, yeah. we'll, get some, we'll get some players coming in. Sure. But the risk with that is, yeah, they might come in for a week. Or two. But are they going to come in, or two, but are they going to come in for the week that you want them? Yeah. You know, your best bet with that sort of stuff is trade them, 
trades for the rookie that's playing the one week you need him and do it the week they're named. Yeah. Trying to predict it now. It's so hard. Super difficult. It's super difficult. So if we look at last week, yeah, the coaches that double downed are feeling great because there's no cows to choose from this week. No. And they've got heaps of cash. Whereas the ones that went, oh, I'll take the premium this week and do another one up, one down. Mm. I'm struggling to, to see who you're going down to. Yeah. You might have to go sideways. You that's might right. have to go Brandon to Egmalee Smith. And yeah. I think, if we're talking eye tests, MJ, he passed the eye test about as well as anyone's passed the eye test. I know it was North Melbourne and Richmond absolutely dominated. But you might have to look at him and say, yeah, he's 100K more. But he scored a 119 in Supercoach and probably has 100K to make quite comfortably. In the next two you've weeks, got, yeah. You've got confidence in, well, Basher's not back with the team. So no. that already buys him two weeks. Minimum. Basher left today yep. to quarantine. So I'd expect it to be more. And there's no one really else that's going to come into that side to fill his role. The players that are coming back, you know, it's more your Cochin types. And, yeah. and they already lost Caddy. Yeah. It's, a, it's a testament to Richmond's depth that they can just keep plugging these guys in and they keep playing so well. So my mind thinks, if I, and I am someone who does have cash to spend, but am I better off getting an Egmalee Smith while he's at 240, Yeah. knowing that he'll go up, and then next week I can do an upgrade? Because if I pass on him, MJ, and there's no cows again, yep. now, With I'm security. Him, yep. now I'm looking at him at 300K. Yeah. And... And obviously, this is always the risk, but if the premium I bring in instead of Egmalee Smith doesn't outscore him by 30 to 40 points, it's probably a loss. Yeah. And that was, the, that was the hard thing about taking on the double downgrade. Yeah. Everyone took on the double downgrade, whether it was, if anyone who did take it on, I should say, Rankin and Simpson combined for 180 points combined. In super So unless yeah. your premium was Dangerfield and Hugh Greenwood or James Sicily. Max Gorn or Petrarca yeah, exactly. or these kinds. You're, you're, yep. you're probably not feeling great about it this week. No. Because, as I said, there is so little cow. And, again, especially with the scoring potential of an Egmalee Smith, um, and maybe you have to bite the bullet. So that's where, while we've got this surplus of cash, if it's not going to help us in the long run build a better team, yeah. like, again... You can't feel good about MJ about trading in players that nah. won't play. And, and again, like you said, so risky. It's so risky, and 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 the luck element, so to speak, um, just didn't go your way. And if you look at teams and, and fixtures, and who's going to likely give these younger players ongoing opportunities? Yes, teams over these condensed weeks are, are going to try to expose as much of their squads as needed to be able to navigate their way through. But really, at the moment. There's a clear bottom four teams in the AFL, um, all with developing future talent as their primary focus. Adelaide, North Melbourne, Sydney, and Fremantle. If we were to try to forecast as best we could, who might get some consistent games, you know, uh, from a cash cow nature from these teams? An Adelaide perspective, it's probably a Schoenberg that's the closest as a mid, and he's not basement price through there, but he's probably the one from a Fremantle. Maybe Lockie Scholl. Yeah, Scholl MJ. off the back line. But the whole thing is, on, Jay's we've spoken about before, half of Adelaide's team is under 50 games already. Under 30 but, games. <laughs> but yeah, if we, go, if we really dive into it, yeah, half of them are even under under 15. Yeah. So, again, you can't just, it's not as simple as just throwing them all out there at once. You Correct. still need some Experience. proven players to go alongside. And then on the flip side, MJ, 
you might not have any guarantee that when you want them they'll play in round 10 yeah they'll be there to cover Correct. for your Sicilies your Doherty's so that's why I, I'm just it's crossed my mind that while most coaches especially in Supercoach are cashed up we're talking 300 400 some coaches even 500k yeah. if Edmund Smith comes out with an 80 and Bailey Smith comes out with 100 yeah I know who's won that trade Correct. because in, in next week Bailey Smith might go up 15k 20k and you can still bring him in comfortably you're not going to bring in or it's, it's going to be very difficult for if you passed on Egmelie Smith at 240 to go yeah I'll grab him at 300 and that's yeah. where I just worry that maybe we do have to settle and say that you know an Egmelie Smith I'll take 100k yeah and he's already made 100k in price because as I said, it's all well and good to have, you know, the McInerney's, the Taylors in your field, sure. on your field. But if you don't have confidence in going down to someone, yeah. and I just see and there's just a shortage of those sort of players. Maybe we need to accept that an Egmelie Smith is a guy that we just hang on to. Yeah. Again, the way he's playing, he looks sensational. And it's just such a tricky balance. And as I keep looking through these players, I just don't, you know, no one's really screaming, that's a player because... At the end of the day, MJ, we're in July, we're in late July. Yeah. So, so we had that massive break for coach, for players to get up to speed. Isaac Rankin was one that clearly took that opportunity to get fit. He was challenged by the club. Yep. And he's in the team. Like Will Gould at Sydney, I think is the one because of the preseason hype and how hyped he was as a mm. draftee. But at the same time, how many more injuries can Sydney take if he's not getting an opportunity? Correct. And if you look at the team, Lloyd, Mills, Rampy. That's Harry Cunningham all in the back line. That's that's the part of the ground they're doing okay. It's yeah. the forward line without Buddy. Reed might be back. You know, the midfield's been decimated with no JPK. No Heaney's out as well. But yeah. like, unless they start really just swinging things around, the role that Will Gould plays mm. is a role that Sydney's actually best stocked in. Yeah. So to think that there's going to be big names that come in and play every game, I think it's unlikely. So. You know, that's where we're going to have to get really creative. And, and MJ, I wouldn't be surprised that there's extra trades if we see coaches moving players. For instance, you know, maybe people have to get aggressive and go a premium down to a cheaper premium. Let's say Tom Stewart in two weeks is 400K. Yeah. And James Sicily's 550 on his buy. People might go, that's 100K, 150K right there to drop Sicily to Stewart. Yeah. Like, again, that's the type of stuff that people might have to deal with if we have no cows coming through that are actually, you know, in that side. Yeah, it's it's some, some good advice. And then you think about players, um, now that we know the additional trades we've got, now that we know enough of the fixture, players that had held on to a Nat Fife, mm. maybe a Jonathan Segler. And look, there's a chance Segs gets named today. There is a chance of it. And again, at time of recording, we don't know. As you're listening to this, you might know the answers that we currently do not. What we do know is Fife will not play this week. And we do know that in round 10, he will not play because he's on the bye round. Meaning it is round nine and that is it. So of the next three weeks, you are getting one maximum week of Nat Fife. That six hundred and thirty odd thousand dollars that he is worth, you now have more trades than you did four days ago. I don't see a world where you prioritize holding on to him. Where at least last week you had that, 
you had that option of I've got the Simpson, I've got the Pickett's, I've got the Andersons, I'll put them on the field, and then I'll make the call of whether I should trade Fife in or out. I think with the data we now have in front of us, I think if you're a Nat Fife owner in Supercoach, and there's a fair few of you, 21%, break even of 225, even for him, that's probably out of range. I, I don't think you can hold him. Yeah, I think it's it's super tough, and it's tough because, like you mentioned, there's a buy in round ten. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm a freeman until you know medical stuff that's obviously already gone through the ringer in the media for the mismanagement of Fife, which you know whether you think it was mismanagement or just misfortune. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at that round eleven as let's get him back then. Yeah. Get a cherry One advantage right, you do have is that they played Geelong on Monday night. Yeah. So pretty much every player in your side, you can have a look at yep. and see how they score. The other advantage is they play Collingwood the following week, last game of the round. Yeah. So potentially, if you really want to push it, you can do it. You can loophole the rookie and maybe you get lucky again and Pickett delivers you a 105. Yep. And, and maybe that's an option that you can look at, MJ. You can have a look at your rookie scores that you can. If they struggle have someone that's playing, you know, maybe the, the two games before Nat Fife to know yeah. if, if he doesn't score well, I've got to trade up my sleeve and I'm trading Nat Fife to the premium that I want. You know, maybe you can push it like that and carry him all the way through. Yeah. But the likelihood with the rookie scores we're getting is you'll probably get a 30 or 40. Mm. Um, unless you've just got players that you know are absolute dead weight. But even, you know, MJ, Brand is you know, back up and about. Yeah. Will he get back into the West Coast team? Maybe, maybe not, but he's got a low break even. Mm. McInerney the same. So it's it's hard to want to trade those guys if you think they're a game away yeah. and there's another 30 to 50K to be made. Uh, the advantage you will have next week is you've got three trades. Yeah. So, for instance, if you really wanted to cash yourself up and you just think, I love what Egmelie Smith's doing, he'll make you know, 150K the way he's going and he's a really adequate guy to have on field. You can turn that fight into him and get another premium. And then next week, you've got three upgrades and you've let McInerney and Brando, if they get a game, yeah. appreciate that one more week. So that's where you've really got to look into that balance. And with three trades, you can obviously do all sorts of stuff. I think the hard thing with, is Segler though, MJ. Yeah. He's had, at least with Nat Fife, we know when he's on the field and he's healthy. He's a big boy. He is, He's an absolute monster. The hard thing with Segler is, if we look at that three-week block, two games and a bye. Yep. The other flip side is, he's got a massive break-even of 151 yeah. coming off you know, a broken bone in his foot, albeit apparently small. Sure. But the issue is, if we want to ride him out, we have to be willing to ride him out For a through month. the bye round and, and beyond. Yeah. And when I'm looking at what his price is currently, it's 2K less than you, you started him for at the, end, at the start of the season. Yeah, you've not moved so, anywhere. So, you know, with those two scores, a 53 and a 43 in his last two weeks, MJ, yeah. against Swans is a, is a solid matchup yep. if he does get named. But we're talking probably a drop of, you know, another 60 to 70K in the next two weeks and then a buy. Yeah. So to me, it feels like a real point in time where this week's a great time to jump because there's still some value there. Correct. Otherwise, and this is a risk with a, a big man injury like that, you, you wait one more week and then he's out, yeah. now you've dropped 40K. Yeah. So for me, as annoying as it is to trade a premium, 
there's still a lot of value there. You know, I feel like I'd rather move him on and, and give Brander or Mick McInerney another week to see if they get a game because I know there's, there's, there's obvious cash. Oh, the flip, yeah, the, the thing is, it's his scoring, MJ. You know, before that, he had some great scores. You know, he was going at 95 through the first four rounds. Yeah, and knowing and why the, he's, you know, three weeks in a row now, Hawthorne have lost a tall forward inside the first quarter. Yeah, so I, but I just feel like at that price and with the cash that people have, yeah, it's very easy to turn him and a rookie into two elite scorers. Yeah. Um, and I just don't know if teams will be wanting to ride him out for six weeks. That's really, really hard, MJ. You Especially know, when you've got the option to move him really quickly to a Bailey Smith, or if yeah. you've got a Brander or a Lacocious type in your back line, you can go and get your Eggmalee Smith or a, yeah. or a Will Day um, very, very easily. So so those will be the dilemmas. Yes, you're losing that potential coverage for your, for your rucks with that ruck forward potential, but the good thing with him, David, that is you know that Dawn's going to be available. Yeah, so he'll play. You're probably, it's probably not as likely unless the people that are paired with Collingwood are absolutely, um, you know, a lot of other teams. It really hurts you. But it just feels like it's a point where you've still got value. The thing we spoke about with Viney is Viney just had one bad score. And that's why we were so strong on saying, just hold him. He's already He was already, we didn't know at the time that he was by free, but we knew he had an extra game up his sleeve. Yeah. And he's returned to score. The issue with Segler is two bad scores, an injury that's a broken foot for a big man. Like, it's probably fair to say that he was dealing with it the past few weeks, and that's why his scoring fell off a cliff. So I just feel like now's a good time where you've still got value in him because yeah. in a week or two, he's at the point where you actually can't do anything with him. You no, just you got have to hold ride him. it out. Yeah. And if you really want a big man injury, it just feels like, as we keep saying, you don't want to push problems down the road. Yeah and move on a McInerney, him to come back in, and you've traded him out, and Segler's now not playing. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that is one of the times where that's a good jump from a mid-pricer. Get him out of the way. He still gives you some value. Again, you're making money crazily, MJ, going Correct. to Bailey Smith. And in terms of points on field, I'm pretty confident you're probably getting very worth 10-point boost, yep. which is you know 100 points across the season. Honestly, could even go up to 250 the way... Bailey Smith playing outside of that concussion. But, yeah, MJ, the main concern for me is, as I said, I just don't see these cows coming through. Yeah. No, and that's, from, where, I feel, and that's yeah. where I feel like Bailey Smith is so important for coaches is at that price. You, how can you say no? absolute dirt cheap. Yeah, you, know, you can't say I, no. I think Clayton Oliver's a great pick. Yeah. And I, and I think with the buy, it's a massive advantage. The issue, though, is you're paying 160k more than Bailey Smith Correct. for Clayton Oliver, as good as he is by free. Yeah. You know, maybe, can you maybe wait two weeks and maybe does Oliver with a matchup of Brisbane and Port, you know, come back a little bit more attainable because that that's, that's no small amount of money when we're talking about a Mitch Duncan being 420, yep. 430. We're talking about a Luke Shuey being in the mid fours, a gas off a buy. Yeah. Like as much as I love Clayton Oliver and he's got that advantage of buy free, when you're paying for players in that price and there's very good options cheaper, even a Tom Stewart, if people have Dan Houston, it's easy to swing Dan Houston into the midfield yep. and grab Tom Stewart at 400K. So, yep. And that's and that goes for Gorn as well, MJ. Totally. I know Gorn, again, Gorn is not value in Supercoach no. in terms of, will he appreciate this week? 
maybe. He's 120 break even right in his. Yeah, in theory, he'll go up. Yeah. <laughs> but the others, like, and that's why we mentioned a few weeks ago when we said when Rao went down, that was the perfect time to get rid of Rao to a rookie. Yeah. And take a pit net up because it's so hard to generate that cash. Yeah. And again, are you going to be confident investing, you know, 300 plus K on a pit net for a Gorn um, with not many cows to go through? And like I said, if you've already gone without Gorn mm. and you're one of those coaches trying to catch up, as much as I know it hurts, it's just one of those things you are banking in that loss and paying a lot of cash to get it to yeah. do to do so. So yeah, if we get some cows, maybe it makes life a lot easier, but totally. I think those third trades might be more used to move a premium to a value premium and generate cash creative that way. Yeah. See, if I had Segler and Fife this week in Supercoach, the move, if I had the opportunity, these would be what I would do. I'd go get a Bailey Smith over a Petrarca. Yep. Um, I'd do a Fife down. And if I could, I'd use some DPP to get an Eggman Lee Smith via the other. Um, knowing that that would probably give you, if you've already done the double down the week before, a lot of cash. And yes, that's not cash that's been activated just yet. But, but, that's the thing we said last week, though, and that's why we caution people. Yeah. If the cow is good enough... It won't matter. It doesn't matter. As yeah. I said, people thought, I'm going to take on Simpson here because he doesn't have great job security or scoring. Yeah. And he outscored Bailey Smith. Yeah, and now, the and now the people with him have made 70K already. Yep. He's going up through the roof. There's more cats injuries, which is advantageous. Yeah. And you're a point down and you've paid 20K more for Bailey Smith. Correct. So that's why if the cow is close enough, and that's the hard thing I think with Egmalee Smith, yes. is working out. Is he that? What's, what's the number? Yep. Is it 75? Is it 80? Because if it's 80 and you think he can score 80 and Bailey Smith can go 100, mm. So that price difference, and maybe Bailey Smith's not the player. Maybe you've already got Bailey Smith and you're weighing up um, an Egmalee Smith versus Petrarca or Greenwood. Yeah. Like, we're talking, MJ, in two weeks. Egmalee Smith could be within 50K of Tom Stewart. And it's sideways. If, yeah. if you want to get real crazy, you could nearly spend 30 to 50K, get a Shannon Hearn off a buy yep. for Egmalee Smith. Yep. Like, that's the type of stuff we're talking about and hey at, at worst best 18 maybe he drifts off to your, F, your, your D7 and he covers again I didn't grab him but coaches that grabbed Tom Duday mm. at the price they grabbed him they've got no rush to move him on no and, and as I said it might involve hey Tom Stewart's too good value Dan Houston you're my midfielder Tom Stewart comes on to the defence like it feels like this year MJ we're not just locked into um, oh, I've got to have midfielders in the midfield. Like yeah. when I'm getting the value of Bailey Smith, I don't care if I've already completed my forward line. No, it doesn't matter. If, if I've got six forwards already, I don't care if I have to play Bailey Smith in the midfield because at that value, there might be an injury down the track where I've got a completed forward line. Oh, Whitfield's out for the season. Swing Bailey Smith forward. Then I can explore. Yes. I would just caution people that it just it's okay if you've got a completed backline and you've got the flexibility to move. Houston's a great example because yep. he's one of the few guys that has DPP. Yeah. And you go, geez, I just love what Egmalee Smith's doing. M move Houston into the midfield mm. for a, a McInerney or, you know, use some DPP and bring him onto the field. Yeah. Again, I just feel like we just have to acknowledge value. And that's where it becomes really hard for me to want to pay big money, you know, f big money, 550, 560, 600 
when I know that if I'm patient in two weeks, I've got Tom Stewart, I've got Mitch Duncan, I've got Patrick, I want to wait a, I've, I've got, yeah, got Patrick, guys. Tommy Mitchell even yeah. after a poor score against the Jays. Jai Simpkin back from injury. Yeah. So there's there's all these sorts of things where I think, you know, maybe the Melbourne and Essendon players are the exception to the rule because sure. they have value by the games played. Like even if we just do MJ a basic, you know, trade on them. Yeah. Like if you've got ten games of let's just say Clayton Oliver at one ten. Yeah. And other, another player has nine games. At one fifteen. Yeah, they have to go one twenty to, yeah. to actually replicate what Clayton Oliver's doing. But the other point remains: the more you wait on them, mm. the more valuable they become. Because if you wait to round ten to trade in Oliver, now he's got nine games, and they've got eight. Yeah. So, so that that advantage, you don't have to bring in the Melbourne and Essendon players this week. No, That's my point. I don't think so. You can still enjoy the value of a Bailey Smith. And again, have a look at a Shannon Hearn now that he's back at home. A yeah. gaff. I just feel like we have to look at the structure of our team and we can't ignore value because we just don't have a stack of cows yep. to keep this one-up, one-down cadence that I know people always talk about. But in theory, there are some weeks where you have to break the rule. We broke the rule last week. We A lot of people doubled down and those cows have been great. Mm. So I just don't think because we've got a surplus of cash that you just think, I've got 500K. I've got to spend it. You don't. No problem. No problem taking an Egmelie Smith. If you no. if you loved what Sam Mays did, go for it. Take Sam Mays because guess what? That cash isn't going anywhere. You can still spend it the next week. Yeah. So I think, again, as we said, you know, one up, one down wasn't the only option last week. I don't think two up is the only option this week. for coaches this week. Yeah. Because I still think there's some value and guys that can score well enough to get you by. And I think yeah, Egmelie Smith fits that mold especially with all the other factors, you know, going into it, why he is scoring well. Yeah, that's right. Well, we look at, and again, that opportunity for coaches in rounds nine through to 12, where you can do those three trades a week. So yeah, you might end up at the end of this round banking it with 500,000 cash sitting in your super coach kitty right now. That's a lot of cash, but you're getting out of that round 10 and you're eyeing off Hearn, Gaff, Yo, Sicily, Cripps, all and presenting value for us. And all of a sudden, your injection of moving on your Kings, your Taylors, your Buderics, um, potentially through there, then it's your McInerney's. Um, all of a sudden turning those players in that crucial best 18 week with an injection of three premiums, you've maxed your scoring potential as well. Oh boy. Yeah, that's the thing. We just That's why I keep stressing it. You can't, turn down value in these games, yeah. especially when we've got, you know, as I keep saying, limited cows coming through because last week coaches that did one up, one down thought they were getting a points advantage on the field. And not really. And for depending who they picked, as I said, if they picked Bailey Smith, Sam Simpson outscored him. Yeah. So now you've lost points and cash. Yeah. And that's why I think if you don't love the premium you're bringing in, if you just think you're going to spend the cash to spend the cash, I'm just saying, have a look at some of these cheaper options, especially ones that, you know, have a great score in their average. And that's what we said about Simpson and Rankin last week. Yeah. I'm not super worried about job security if there's a hundred plus score to kick off their cash generation. No. Emily Smith, if he plays two games and just does okay, we're talking eighty to ninety K plus he's already at two sixty. Mm. So you drop him down to a rookie and there's some cash coming back. The the hard thing with going rookies that are more expensive is you don't have the cash in your bank to 
to spend straight away. Yeah. So what I mean by that is if you take Brander down to a rookie that's 100K cheaper, you've got 100K in the bank to spend. If you do that with Egmalee Smith, you've probably got you know barely anything. Yeah. You get where you recoup the value is when you move them on. If they both make 100K and you move them on, you both have the same amount of money because Egmalee Smith's money was just in his price yeah. at the premium. So that's my point. If you're not going to spend it, in the, or you don't think your 100K will make a big difference to what your plans are in the next couple of weeks, yeah. again, I just think for the scoring that you're going to get, you just can't overlook these guys because of the price they're at and because you have 400K to spend. I just think we have to still keep looking at what is value. Yeah, because and again... You don't get stuck on the break-evens too. If you're in Supercoach and you're looking at the break-evens of an Egmalee Smith, you're going, minus 37. Well, for 100K less, I can get an Andrew McPherson at a th- minus 34 and save that 100K. And maybe that will help, but it's not just about the break-even, is it, Kane, in Supercoach? It's also about the scoring. Well, that's the thing, and that's the fact there is If you're bringing Egmalee Smith, you're bringing him on to be on the field. Yeah. With McPherson, he can, he can fill a role where he's... Yeah, cover. you get the 50-60 colour. And and that's the thing, and that's obviously, and that's where this game is awfully tricky and awfully fun at the same time. Is you're rolling that dice. Mm. People rolled it last week and said Simpson will come back to the pack. He'll have a poor score and he'll be out of the team. But the flip side is he might just score as well as your premium. Yeah. And now that coach has a, another seventy k in the bank on you, and you've got nowhere to go to downgrade. So yeah. I just feel like we obviously, as I said last week, double down was the theme. Some coaches took it on. This week, as a result, double upgrades the thing. But I'm just saying there is some great value that you can still get. You don't have to go blowing all your money just because you've got it to yeah. spend. You know what I mean? Like, it'd still be around next week. And as I said, there's some guys, Mitch Duncan is expected to be back, yeah. Tom Stewart. And we've got buys to work with as well. And, and we know in previous years, MJ, the strategy is you want to have some money. Yep. In the kitty, so when that buy does come around, you can and those get aggressive. Players have had the buy, you can get aggressive. Yeah. So there's an opportunity this week. There's guys that are, I think, at the price, yep. have at least 100k to make. And and if you saw the way they scored on the weekend, could be more. They're awfully, you know, adequate on the field. It's just a consideration. I'm not saying that you know, maybe teams will drop, and I'll realise to my team, double it's ups the way to go. Correct. There's a couple of rookies that are coming through, but. I just don't want coaches to think I've got 500k. I, I have to spend it all, it. yeah, because there is no guarantees in this game. You know, you would have thought, oh, my premium will smash Sam Simpson. I'll make 50 points on the field, and maybe it did if you picked Hugh Green, which, yeah. as I said, maybe it did if you picked Sicily. But hey, maybe maybe you lost 25 points if you picked Jai Simpkin. Like that's that's the really tricky part of this game, and that's why value always helps, whether it's a rookie price player, a premium, because in the long run. 100k times you know four or five opportunities and you're two premiums ahead of the pack yeah i think that's a really really in-depth way of thinking about the game and it's one of the things we love uh, about what you bring and other members of the coaches panel too kane is that processing through of the logic and the reasoning and helping us not just make a a gut-based response or a follow the crowd-based response but give you the tools as a fantasy footy coach no matter the format you play to think through the detailing and the process and to look at all the angles that ultimately will inform your specific team and the unique variables of the 30 players in your squad what you should be doing. And uh, I think that's a really nice thought, man. Appreciate that. And uh, thanks for joining us on this episode, man. 
No worries, MJ. Thanks uh, for having me. It's always great to chat and hopefully, um, you know, we can give some voice to some people that might be a bit confused because, to be honest, MJ, there's that much information changing fixtures. Um, every day. I don't yeah. blame anyone who's confused and hopefully um, we can help out a little bit and um, keep everyone enjoying the game. That's the main thing. Absolutely right. Hey, well done to every single one of the formats in terms of trying to navigate their way through this year as best they can. While all the changes uh, that have come through the year may not have been exactly what everybody would want or you, you would personally want, that's okay. You're allowed and entitled to have your opinion. But here's what, um, you know, from the coaches panel for the, the makers of AFL Fantasy, Supercoach, Dream Team and Ultimate Footy, from the entire fantasy footy community. We're just grateful for you that you would take the time to enable these games to continue on. For some, 2020 has been horrifically challenging for a variety of different reasons. And to have this outlet, um, to have this thing that gives some sense of normality to what's been a really unusual year, just helps people get through the year. And so even if you don't entirely agree with all the changes and trades and formats and everything, we appreciate that, but certainly from us here at the Coaches Panel, our gratitude to you as the format makers and stalwarts and faces for enabling uh, these formats to continue on and for the things we all love about the game, for at least to have that rage trade moment on a Sunday night, for us to have that excitement as we head through a Saturday afternoon with that captain going well. It's one of the things that's helping a lot of people get through 2020. From us here at the Coaches Panel, we hope this week goes incredibly your way. We hope your rookies fire, your premiums sing, you nail the rookie roulette, that your captain kills it, and that you just have the best scoring week you've ever had. Keep checking in with CoachesPanel.tv. Plenty of articles landing right throughout the week. A massive thank you to all of our Patreons for your support. If you want to join that army and get exclusive content, all the links are also at CoachesPanel.tv. Keep in touch with us over social media, but until next week where there will be more podcasts than ever before. Oh, did I just let a cat out of the bag?